and thanks for tuning in to The Corner on Character, where character speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spotlight passionate character champions who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today we're visiting with Elise Hani up in Grapevine ISD in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Welcome, Elise, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm thankful that you can join us today, Elise, because I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time, and I'm so interested in your journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to today? Absolutely. I started my career as a substitute, and I subbed in different districts for three years around Grapevine Colleyville, and then I ventured to Katy, and I taught second and third, and then I really saw my passion was in special ed, specifically social emotional and with autism and with students who just learn differently. And so for the last three years with this year counting, I've worked with students from K through five with any type of difficulty, whether they're in gen ed or special ed. Um, I really love working with students who learn differently, who speak differently, and who really have a heart um, that sometimes has to be unfolded um, like an onion. I'm very passionate about working with students who struggle with behaviors um, and getting them to have a voice and to understand and to be able to use tools to be successful in the classroom. Oh, I love the onion metaphor. Can you unpeel that a little bit for us? Absolutely. Well, it came from the blind side. Um, But really, we have students with trauma and with backgrounds and with difficulties that they can't explain. And so every day giving them a safe zone to be themselves, whether it's in the classroom or under a desk or um, in a different setting. And so allowing students to start trusting because trust is such a big thing with them. They struggle with understanding why their home life is a little bit different or why they have to use something different or why they have to speak differently. And so allowing them to understand that they are so unique in every single way and giving them tools to be successful. And so peeling back an onion, it has layers. And so every layer is another circle of trust that you instill with the student and build them up every single day for them to be successful. Wow. I love that. And trust is certainly one of our really important core values What would you say are the benefits of doing SEL, kind of something I read on your blog, Relationships Before Rules, or on Twitter feed, I think? Mm -hmm. Uh Um, Basically, if you do not have a relationship with a child, whether it's interacting one-on-one or in a classroom or just in the hallway, you're not going to be able to break ground, so to speak, and to have students understand that there are rules that they have to follow. And so having that trust and having that relationship is huge because not only are you pouring a foundation into their heart, you're also allowing them to understand that there's, you're there for them. You allow them to have success. You're there to catch them when they fall and you're there to celebrate their successes. So building up that relationship first before rules so that you can build a foundation within their heart, so to speak, um, for them to be successful throughout the year. So one of the five um, SEL competencies is relational skills, relationship skills. 
um, what are some of your, what you've seen or done best practices in that area? Best practices in relationship building are being a constant for students, um, greeting them at the door, celebrating them being at school, allowing them to speak and giving feedback, as well as allowing them to listen. That's such a hard concept from K all the way to 12, but allowing them to know that you are hearing them and either saying, I hear you, or this is what I heard, but giving them the space to be successful is huge in relationships. Um, Best practices don't belittle our kids. They don't allow them to feel unwanted. They allow them to be valued as individuals every single day. So it sounds like there's some empathy in there too, huh? Yes. And then there's self-awareness, there's self-management, and there's social awareness. How do we teach those things? Well, I currently teach in a social-emotional classroom, and something that my students from K all the way to 5th really value and love is read-alouds. And so our students watch us every single day. So if we read a book, say... Um, B is for breathing, or if we read um, The Color Monster, they can identify feelings and actions within characters. And that's like really the first step, because for them to understand what they're doing may or may not be appropriate, they have to have something to connect to, a text-to-text real or a um, real-world example. And so giving them something to latch on to. Something also that we can do is we can practice. That sounds like something that classrooms do every day, but it is. Our kids don't come to us wired to follow directions or do something our way. And so we have to allow them to practice. And then we model and we review as the year goes on. April's a great time to review because spring fever is setting in, end of year worries are setting in. And so giving students an opportunity to be successful with practice and modeling and also just a refresher because who doesn't need a refresher? Every student needs a refresher every now and again, just like we need refreshers as adults. So giving students that opportunity to connect with something and then to review and refresh. And also if they can take ownership of their understanding of the rules, they will be impacted more than just reading them and doing them. And you're starting this as young as kindergarten? Yes, ma'am. I also work with preschool um, because we have pre-K and our littles, whether they, you know, may understand the big words or not, they get it. Our four and five-year-olds can understand what flip their lid means. And so in their speak or in their terminology. And so being able to empower students to take initiative as young as four and five is possible. Does it take practice? Yes. Does it take patience? Yes. But they get it because they can identify characters or um, movies that they've seen and good and sad choices, and then they can move forward as well. It may look a little bit differently, but every student, no matter the age, can learn for um, rules, can learn for ideas, and they just need a little bit of practice and modeling. I like that flip your lid analogy. Can you unpack that a little bit? It's brain science, right? it is brain science and I'm probably going to mess up on some of the, but it basically it's your lower level, your fight or flight that your students will go to if they're upset 
or if they're frustrated. It's that reactive mode. They're not in control. They're in their, basically their downstairs brain and they're unable to understand what's going on. It can look like a student screaming to a student throwing chairs to a student physically trying to hurt you. And so basically you have to front load skills and remind students of skills they can do to calm down, whether that's taking deep breaths, whether that's you reminding them, hey, you want to take, take a deep breath or just starting to breathe um, in and out and or it's blowing candles out. There are a lot of breathing techniques that our little ones, my six and seven year olds use currently that are really successful because they have taken ownership and they're like, oh, I can do that. And so flipping your lid is just basically an analogy. It's you are not in control. You're struggling. And so how do we get you back there? And we have to work on front loading and strategies along the way. So that sounds kind of easy, except for you know that when kids are dysregulated, it's not. Well, and dysregulation looks so different on every student. Right. Um, and, you know, and I work with students in crisis a lot. And then I work with students who may look like they're defiant and they're already, they're flipping their lid in their own way. And so being mindful of our actions and our mindset of, oh, they need to listen. Well, yes, they do need to listen, but what does that look like? You have to set those expectations. You have to set, what does it look like when you're, you know, listening or what does it look like when you're working? Because some of our kids are super visual and they're super aware that you're, you're getting on my nerves or you're bothering me, but what does that look like? And so defining those real life in the classroom or in the school setting ideas for students to truly understand is valuable because if you have it written, what does it look like to sit in your chair or work? What does it look like to follow directions on the carpet? You can kind of front load, Hey, let's just refresh these reminders when we need to be reminded or we need a refresher because every kid and adult can use a refresher every now and again. And so having those strategies, those skills, those expectations can help um, just not have any gray area. Are kids going to flip their lid every now and again? Yes, because sometimes it's control, sometimes it's attention seeking, but really comprehending that students can listen, they can truly understand expectations, and they can move forward once they're taught or once they're reminded, really sets the ground of, hey, we can put this back on them, we can set up expectations, and then we can move forward as a collective whole. It's not me versus them, it's we're moving together and we're learning together. So there's that ownership piece again. I saw on your Twitter feed that you guys were owning your inner rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, share a little bit more about that. Well, I have students who don't have confidence as much or don't understand that they are amazing. And so when they do start to face something hard, either they shut down, they say they're not good, they're bad, or they just are struggling. And so something that I really value is positive self-affirmation. And so our students, um, as young as first grade, can affirm that they are rock stars. 
They are rock stars in helping others. They are rock stars at showing empathy. They're rock stars at following directions. Or they're rock stars at taking ownership, such as following directions and listening that day. And so my students got to write, I am a rock star. And then they got to decorate their poster above their desk. Um, my classroom's a little bit different because it's a social-emotional setting. But we hung it above their desk, and we just reference it. And for me, our students need the visuals. When language goes, visuals are it for them. And so being able to remind them, hey, you're a rock star. And when they say, no, I'm not, and I'll be like, yes, you are. And this is how you're a rock star. So getting them to understand that they are going to make mistakes, they're going to get mad, but front loading that they can do things will help um, de-escalate as well as will allow them to calm because when our students get mad and especially when my students currently get mad, it's big. And what I mean by that is it sounds a lot worse than it is. And either we scream or we yell or we throw things, but it's possible for them to slowly deescalate by using that self-talk. I can do hard things. I am a rock star by helping others. And so that they get it in their mind and they can refresh themselves as they're struggling. So you, it also sounds like you're talking a little bit of mindfulness because you yeah. mentioned the deep breathing. Now you've kind of talked mantras a little bit. Yeah. So is mindfulness woven into the kinds of practices that, that you do to help them regulate? It is. Um, I use a lot of different strategies depending on the day and depending on what is going on. But we do a lot of mindfulness of we are at school. We are here to learn. And then how, what does that look like? Um, front-loading them with breathing exercises, mindfulness, um, being aware of the people around them, and being aware of what they need to be successful. Some of my students need the quiet. Some of my students need to be able to breathe or use a pinwheel to breathe. Um, some of my students like to do what they call a butterfly breath. So really having our students own their types of breathing or their types of strategies um, really makes a difference. I have some students that like to be under a desk, and that is a-okay as long as we can see them and as long as they are starting to regulate. So really practicing in the social-emotional skills, the social skills, the, the self-positive talk, and the mindfulness is woven in every single day. Does it look different every time someone flips their lid? Yes. But really also something that I value is, is that you need to stop talking. Um, there's a next for in safety care. It's just some similar to CPI or a um, course for just de-escalating difficult behaviors. It's why am I talking? And mm -hmm. it's the wait strategy. Yeah. And something that really me is meaningful is that quiet. It may drive some of us crazy and it may be like, oh, it's time for me to talk. No, we need to stop talking and to let our students really start to listen to themselves. They are mad. They need to be able to use mindfulness. They need to be able to use self-talk. They need to be able to use strategies. But sometimes I find that us talking to them is really escalating them. And it's not our intention, but giving them a moment, allowing them to take a breath or just sit and not do anything is powerful. So that sounds like there are so many benefits. Elise, what are the costs of something, carving out time for this 
self-awareness and responsible decision-making, are, are we going to be given up time or effort to make this happen? No. Um, you can include mindfulness and self-talk and motivation in reading and writing and social skills and so science and social studies. Really, this is integrated throughout your day. What you talk to your students, you read aloud, you can, yes, you carve out a little bit of time for a morning meeting or circle up, but that's a valuable piece that our students have to have relationships. They have to have social skills. They have to have um, just being able to talk to each other ideas in their head every single day. And so this is not something that this is another thing. This is a vital piece of a, the whole child. And so if you don't take time to mold and to build those foundational skills, when they go to fifth and sixth grade, they will struggle because they don't know how to wait their turn. They don't know how to use self-talk. They don't know how to use different strategies to either calm down or to solve a problem. So this is, it, the time is now. You have to do it every single day. It's sometimes it can be a five minute, hey y'all, I see you're struggling. What can we do to fix it? Our kids are problem solvers. Our kids are so defined to help and giving them a purpose of we are here to help you, but how can we help, you know, how can we do this back and forth so that you can be successful? I mean, I think that it's, it is powerful to, to let students know that you make mistakes. I make mistakes, you make mistakes, but how can we learn from this and move forward? This is not something that is going to take two hours. It's integrated throughout the day. And it's not just through K through five. Middle school and high school students need to be able to wait, to be able to problem solve, to be able to um, understand different aspects of people and how sometimes we're mad and sometimes we're upset and how we can, we can move on. And so this is something that even middle school, high school, and beyond can use every single day to tap into those skills, those soft skills, some people say of like problem solving and waiting and listening and so that they can be overall better people when they become adults. So connection before direction. Yes. Okay. I saw on your feed also something you retweeted that Roman had sent out there. The best feeling of happiness is when you're happy because you made someone else happy. Why would you retweet that? What, what What's going on? What's your connection to that? I'm a huge person of um, kindness, random acts of kindness. And so to make someone's day, whether it's a student or a teacher's, because I do interact with a lot of teachers every day, sometimes making somebody feel valued is the best thing you can do all day. Some of our students come to us and they're not valued at home or they're not appreciated, or they're not heard at home. And so we are that voice of reason, and we're also that, that ground for them to be able to speak up. Well, sometimes our staff feel that way. When we're having a rough day, or the weather changes, like it did today, <laughs> um, or, or we're just having a rough day, sometimes the biggest act of kindness you can do is to value that person and to notice. And that is, it, it makes people happy. It makes people happy to be noticed, whether it's a random act of kindness card or whether it's a shout out on Twitter, but giving people the opportunity to be happy with random acts of kindness, it shows genuine just respect. And it shows that they matter as much as you matter. And so it warms my heart to make people feel better. 
And if I can bring a sonic drink or if I can write a random act of a note or if I can cover a class for five minutes or go in and read to a class. That is something that is powerful and I feel like it speaks more volumes just than, you know, being noticed. And so having an actual act of kindness makes people happy. Well, at the risk of calling you out, I'm going to just share with my listeners that it was a year and a half or so ago when some flowers showed up at my school. I had no idea who would be sending me flowers or why. And um, we've never met in person, so I certainly didn't see them coming from a Twitter friend. But you are totally living that. It's not just a platitude on your wall or a fun thing to retweet. I see you walking the talk, um, and not just because you sent a bouquet of flowers, but that thoughtfulness behind sending the bouquet of flowers really touched my heart. I'm so glad. And that's something that I value to do. And it doesn't have to be flowers. Something that I do most weeks is write handwritten notes or um, bring coffee or Sonic to someone who's just needing a pick-me-up. And what better time to do that? It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be a sticky note on a door. And that's something that I value. You have to find the what works for you. And so if it's a sticky note, if it's a handwritten note, if it's an email, if it's a tweet, a Twitter shout out, find what works for you and run with it. Um, I am blessed to have so many wonderful people in my life who influence me every day. And that's one way I can give back. And that's one way I can notice the people. And I do love flowers. So why not? <laughs> well, yeah. It's just valuing people. Matters. You're definitely running the race with fidelity, with happiness, joy, and hope. How are you taking care of you in the midst of all of the caretaking you do for others? I do. Um, I try really hard not to bring work home on the weekends as well as during the week. Um, I spend time with our dogs. We do dog walks. Um, I spend time with family. I spend time just outside. One of my hobbies is to take pictures of flowers and of nature and just to share that. And so that's something that I love to do. I always have room for improvement. I always have my stressful days. But having people that I can talk to, having our animals or our family dogs and having my family really does matter um, to me because not everybody gets education. Not everybody gets what we go through every single day. But being able to just kind of disconnect Um, is a huge motivator in my life. Um, I also have great joy of participating in Twitter chats. And so that is one way I relax. And so some days I'm more active than others. There are some days that I'm just like, I can't, I cannot do it. And that's okay. Um, And just giving myself grace because as a daughter, as a teacher, as so many different hats and roles, you do get overwhelmed. And so being able to take a step back and disconnecting is huge for me. And just like going home early and doing very little is something that works for me as well. Well, your inner rock star is definitely shining today. Where can the listeners find you so that they can grow alongside of you? Well, my, my first and my last name are special to um, spell, but I'm on Twitter. I have a blog. I write most every other week as much, um, but my name is Elise Hani, 
and I know I follow you and I know I'll be, my name will be attached when you, um, upload it, but I am always welcoming to help others. And so I'm happy to email. I'm happy to work with, um, just some ideas if you're struggling with behavior, but I am happy to email or call or Twitter or Voxer or anything to help others. Thank you. Is there anything I missed? Our time is almost up, but I want to make sure that you've been able to share what you've got going on in in your corner of the world with everyone who's tuned in today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I know we've had time to connect and it's been back and forth, but I really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. And it's just another way for us to tell our story is through a podcast. And so this has been a fun opportunity for me. Well, it sounds like you have a dream job and I really am thankful that you would share your journey with us. As we sign off, I want to thank you, Elise, for carving out the time to meet up at the corner this afternoon, even as some crazy weather is blowing your way. I want to remind the listeners that this podcast is supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. Visit them at ProSignDesignCo.com to colorize your character building. Join us next week for more about character education, connections, and life. And until then, remember that character speaks.